You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2023 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Our Father, we're so thankful that you have given us this day, and we um, are so thankful that you disciple us and plus you discipline us in sometimes the same manner. So we ask you that we would uh, listen to your Holy Spirit speak to us today and uh, touch our hearts and have us to know what um, we need to do, what we need to change, and, and congratulate what we're doing right. In your name I pray, amen. And so, you know, hey, when, when Amy asked me if I could teach a class on discipline, I'm going, why me? Well, she had heard that I, would, I taught a discipline class for the Pathfinders. So I took the Pathfinder discipline class and I made it for you, right? <laughs> and with a lot of changes, because as I looked at it, I'm thinking, well, this isn't going to necessarily fit, but a lot of it does. And so... Um, We'll do that. Let's turn to the blue page here. And uh, it says, how to disciple your children at every age. And I'm thinking, that's a really good thing. And I was going to just summarize it. But instead of summarizing it, I printed this lady's article. <laughs> it's so good. It's written by Laura Kuhn. So if there's just some great ideas in here, say, Pastor Craig has some great ideas. Not me. Laura does, right? The first section is Craig Harris, the rest of it is Laura. And we're not going to go through each one of those, but there are some highlights we want to do of discipling. How many of you had an adult disciple you? What it means to disciple you, it means to, to teach you, right? To guide your steps. Anybody have somebody that discipled you? Most of us have, right? And uh, there's different ways to accomplish that. And uh, But let's just read this together from Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. Read it, read it along with me out loud. And it begins, oops, one thing that comes with being a grandpa is needing reading glasses. Okay, read it with me, please. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. You like that? That's a really good. Blessed are you who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And then let's read on. Read, read out loud with me, please. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. Oh, isn't that a wonderful promise? If the, if the roots are founded in confidence in Jesus Christ, even when dry times come, the roots are strong. That's what the kind of the, the idea of, of discipling in, in our church with our kids, or our, whether it's our own children or whether it's kids in the church. We're going to talk a little bit about both. But I, my favorite my favorite part of that, besides whose confidence is in him, is it is not fear when heat comes, whether it's the heat of the, <laughs> the backside or it's the heat of whatever discipline you use, right? Um, so deep roots are important. Raising kids with deep roots of faith is important. 
and uh, and then you know here's I just was just typing some things out. Why do we do this? Because no matter how much we want to protect our kids, dry spells are coming. Amen. We all have dry spells. We all have dry spells coming in in in, in our lives, right? So dry spells are coming with our own children because uh, life is inevitably hard. And we want their roots to be deep enough to, to withstand those strong, those, those winds. Uh, how will they stand? Will it wither or will it fade? And uh, how many of you uh, have the absolute way to raise your children? Right? When I was a young buck in my 20s, when I first had the child, I, I said, you know, these are the Ten Commandments for raising kids. Ten Commandments for raising kids. I could have written that book. So confident. In my 30s and 40s, it was uh, ten suggestions I have for raising kids, right? And then now, ten questions I have on raising kids. <laughs> so there's really, I'm not an expert. It's just we're all collectively will teach this class together. So the first one is, uh, one of the things that I'm excited about our Adventist church is that we have many places for our young people to be discipled by other adults, by us. One is at home. How are you guys doing with that? You guys doing okay with that? Right? Some of you, your kids are out. And, um, but then there's church, there's Sabbath school. Praise the Lord for Sabbath school. How many of you are Sabbath school teachers in here? Yeah, over half of you, right? And so there's Sabbath school from the little guys right on up to young adult. So Sabbath school's got us. We got the family. We have a Sabbath school. We have adventurers. Anybody an adventurer leader in here or, or has been an adventurer, right? Very good. And so even if the kids aren't coming to Sabbath school, which our numbers are down, there's adventurers that can catch them, right? Then there's pathfinders. Anybody pathfinder strong in here? Everybody a pathfinder? Very good. And so that's another group, and that's, a, that's an outreach ministry. And then we have, there's Master Guide, and we, how many of you have ever attended a Seventh-day Adventist school? So to be discipled in a Seventh-day Adventist school. So our church has many, many different avenues to be able to disciple our young people. And uh, we'll get into more of that. But let's take a peek at... Um, that first section there, how to disciple your children during the awareness years. And awareness is infancy to toddlerhood. Again, I didn't come up with this. I just thought it was so good. And you can read those things. And most of you are going to say, I do that. I sing songs to my kids. I read colorful Bible stories and clippity-clop, pretty clop pretty clop You know that song that is. Um, go to church. But the ones I really, the last two are the ones that I started. I wanted to highlight on here is tell them that God loves them daily. You tell your kids that God loves them. You tell your little guys when you're holding them, you know, God loves you, Mama loves you. But you tell them that Jesus loves them. That's just a good thing. And then pray for them and with them, right? Even if they can't understand it, they know what Mama's voice and Daddy's voice talking to God. Isn't it interesting what your voice sounds like when you're talking to God and when you're talking to your own parents? Hopefully it's the same same thing. Uh, that Just a pleasant voice when you talk to God. Second uh, section there is how to disciple your children during the excitement years. That's the uh, kindergarten class, right? And uh, we all 
I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here because you all know this. You keep the kids, the hands busy, busy hands. You're reading Bible picture books. You thank God together at the end of each day. It's that prayer time with them. I remember no matter how mad my mom got at me or how upset my dad got at me, is uh, at the end of the day, there was a quiet time at the bed. And that was a discipling time. And uh, my dad was really good at it. What did you learn today, Craig, from, from your rascalness? He would he'd just be able to draw that together. And so just thanking God at the end of the day. I love this one. And they'd only put it, she only put it in this one, but I think we need to, to do this in every section. Claim the mundane. <laughs> bring God, bring God into everyday conversations. I think if we do that with our teenagers, that works. With our middle schoolers, claim the mundane things in life. Right? While they're washing the car, it's fun to wash the car, but can you bring Jesus into that conversation? Just kind of drop that. Isn't it interesting how Jesus washes away our sins? Look at that washing away. <laughs> Whatever you come up with is good. Claim the mundane that's around you. Um, next one, then here it is. Tell them that God loves them every day. You're saying, I came, you're just coming to tell me these things, Craig, in this class? Yes, that's all. These are basic, simple things. But sometimes we get so busy that we forget. We forget how important it is that God loves them. Tell them that God loves them. And then the last one, what does the last one say in that bullet? Pray for them. How many of you pray for your kids every day? How many of you pray with your kids every day? We'll get more to that in a little bit. Then we get into the primary age. Primary age is a lot of fun. And you can see, I'm not going to read all of them, but uh, the fourth one down, it says participate in service projects together. There'll be something in here that'll be something that'll be really helpful for you. Participating in service projects together. Practice memory verses together. Not just saying, recite it to me, but then it says together, right? And so if you demonstrate that the Bible is so important for you to memorize, that's a discipling moment for the young, for, the, for our kids. Um, I actually had something happen to me just yesterday. There was a, it was right over here. I needed to sweep the steps. And uh, so I grabbed a broom and I started sweeping the steps. And uh, one of those bird things came down, down, one of those bird nests came crashing down. And somebody says, can't you get somebody else to do that for you, Craig? I go, yeah, I could, but I have a broom. <laughs> and it's just easy for me to sweep it up. And he gave me a hug. He says, that's what I like about you. You're just practical, right? You could expect someone else to clean up, but if you clean up, that's better of an example. And I didn't, I just was sweeping. I didn't even, wasn't even trying to be an example to somebody, but it just happens. It's how the Lord works, right? So, you know, participate in service projects together is a really fun thing. What's a service project? Raise your hand if you know what some service project that your family does. Ron will be back there. You can pass it around. What's some service? You get that microphone? Just, we'll just take two or three 
of what a service project is that you do in your own home. Okay. Right here, this gal right here. Raise your hand again. Door-to-door yeah. -door outreach. So what does that mean, door-to-door -door outreach? What did you do there? We pick a neighborhood and we go door-to-door -door and hand out literature. Okay, good. Okay. For you do that in, in cooperation with the church, or you do that as this as a family? As a family and with a church. Very good. I like it. Okay. Two more. What are some service projects that uh, that people do? Um, my family has been helping with a neighborhood food box, making sure it's stocked, and also going through and just seeing if things are expired. Something yeah, good. Kids can easily do. Yeah, exactly. Good. So simple. Yeah. One more. Okay. Over over here. We have to have the microphone because it's being recorded, so. There's a lady whose kids are watering my, my plants at home this week. Projects that my sons and I have uh, done through the years, you know, replacing windows in a in lady's home and uh, building decks and things like that. Just, it's good teaching opportunities for the boys, hands-on kind of stuff that helps others. And you know we're there not to get paid, but to help. And uh, yeah. it has come back around as I've as I've seen my boys uh, retell some some of the memories and stuff. You know, and, and those things made a bigger impact on them than I ever realized. You know, very good, very good. There's a man back here, happens to be our family ministry's father, who believes in worth giving kids worthwhile work to do. And I think he has a seminar tomorrow. Is it? Or rich Friday yeah so worthwhile work if you have service projects where the kids realize that this is hey this is really helping somebody you don't have to tell them that it's helping them they can actually see it and if it's worthwhile then they there, there's high motivation to keep it going so think about worthwhile things that you can do for them practice again practice Bible memory verses together use misbehaviors as an opportunity to share the hope of the gospel <laughs> That's a good, we'll get more to that. Talk about and seek the practice of the fruits of the Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Okay, let me, let's read that together. Whenever I do wedding, when I'm doing premarital counseling, this is the first, less, first I do that they have to give, otherwise I won't marry them. And it's found in Galatians chapter 5. And this is, um, there's two turfs talking about here, Paul's talking about. So uh, verse 22, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against there, such there is no law. Now, can, can you imagine, wouldn't it be wonderful if you were disciplined with all of those things? <laughs> so, so love, is it good to be disciplined with love? Yeah. Joy, can, it, can that exist? Yeah, I think so. Peace, long-suffering. I'm always thankful when my dad says, did you learn your lesson? Even if I didn't, I'd say yes, and then I, I didn't get the spanking. Long-suffering dads, right? kindness, goodness, faithfulness. If a parent does not discipline their children, are they being faithful? They're not, right? 
We're going to be faithful to God. He's given us his kids to be able to, to lead them. And uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Oh, man, all of those fruits of the Spirit are so good, right? You ever read the fruits of the flesh, which is right up above that? Let's read those. These are not so good. Fruits of the flesh, they're against the Spirit, verse 17. In verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, oh, contentions. Ah. You guys, you have a contentious household? Um, where was I? Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I have told you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we go, ah, right? So what do we practice the fruits of the Spirit when we're trying to disciple our young people? And you don't want to... We don't want to be contentious. We, we don't want to have outbursts of wrath. And there are some people that just, they don't, they can't control that because that's what they were raised with. They just, they just, just shout out and they react. But I serve a, a risen Savior who sent the Holy Spirit who can change us, right? Can change the way that we disciple our young people. And so there's the two turfs. And my wife and I have agreed, it doesn't always work, but most of the time it does, is if we realize that one of us is, is working on the wrong turf, if we are having a conversation in the fruits of the flesh, if the other one recognizes it, we say, hey, we're on the wrong turf. And we have agreed to say, all right, let's just back off, let's go to our corners, <laughs> which would be a, a quiet place in our home, and pray about it, and then we can come back and we can talk about it with the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, so if we can do that with our kids, whether it's Pathfinders or Sabbath School or whether it's our own children, to not be contentious and not to, to not fly off the handle, but to have that self-control and that love. And uh, that's that's pretty powerful stuff. We, we master that. If, if we have the fruits of the Spirit in our own heart, discipline is actually quite easy. But that's, that's not that easy, right? It's, it's so simple, but it's hard because of our sinful natures. But, um, so the fruits of the, practice the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and then, you know, here's, this is, this, help them to see those around them with Jesus' eyes. Let's help them to see people with through Jesus' eyes. I want you to just, um, with a person next to you, you may not know the person, you may know them, don't leave anybody out, I want you to spend the next minute of what does that mean to see other people through Jesus' eyes? Just kind of discuss amongst yourselves. I'm just going to give you one minute. Go.
I'm sure there's lots of great ideas with that. If we had a little bit longer time, I'd have you share some. But, uh, you know, the people hurt all the time. One of the things, my grandpa taught me this. My grandpa was such a cool guy. He's, he loved Jesus. And uh, he was a very practical guy. And he loved the neighborhood kids. And he had a boat that had a, had a hole in it, a leak. Boats and holes don't go really well, except holy boats are really good for sandboxes in the backyard. So my grandpa had this sandbox. It was a, this old fishing boat. It was wide. It had the seats. He had built-in seats for it and just filled that. And uh, uh, neighborhood, that was the, the best sandbox there was. You know? And uh, my grandpa told me when I was, I don't know, I don't remember how old I was. I was in my teenage years. I was frustrated with somebody. He says, you know, I know, I know that um, he's very frustrating. But picture him like he's sitting in the sandbox. And he just put, we were outside, he pointed there. He says, what would he be doing in the sandbox? And I said, well, he'd be ramming our trucks. He'd want, he'd want to do his things his way. I go, and why, why would he be doing that? I says, because his mom and dad fought all the time. He goes, bingo, Craig. I said, it's not any different with him now as a teenager. His mom and dad still fight. He's just like that little boy in the sandbox. He says, so in your life, whenever you, whenever you see people arguing, and it works in board meetings when someone's bickering in a board meeting, I put him, I, I reduce him down to a sandbox boy or a sandbox girl. And there's some of my people here that have been in board meetings with me. I, don't, I never did with you, Dallin. Never did. But, uh, um, but, it's, but it really helps to be able to reduce that down and go, oh, there's something else going on in his life why he's, why he's throwing sand. Right? So sometimes just being able to step away and maybe, you know, some people say, if you're afraid, look at people in the underwear. I don't. I just, I just picture them in, as in a sandbox. They're a lot less intimidating in a sandbox. Right? But people are hurting. And those people need discipling as well. And again, I'm using discipling and discipline in the same thing. You may be coming here looking for new ways to spank. I don't know. Or new ways to to you know, give them time out or whatever. But I really think if we do a good job of discipling, it really helps us with discipline and uh, when we have the need to do that. And then um, it says, read the Bible. Let them, re let them see you read the Bible and pray. And you don't just do it to see. Have them, hey, kids, I'm going to read my Bible now. Do you see me reading the Bible? No, no, no. You read the Bible because of what reason? Because you need it, right? You need this word. Regardless of you, if you read your Bible, I just plead with you to trust this book. Trust this book because it is the, the Holy Spirit is the one who transforms us to be able to speak like with the fruits of the Spirit. It's nothing that we do that we can muster this fruits of the Spirit up. It's a gift from God. And so we can, only place I know is to get it from here, right? Let them see and see you read the Bible and pray. And then here's a good one. Apologize when you mess up. Some of us are not very good at that. 
We're going to keep going. I'm going to. I could go until about midnight. So we're going to keep. I'm going to be quicker here. Uh, our junior kids. Read the Bible before you go to bed. Read the Bible together before you go to bed. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we did that? If we read the Bible and that was the last things that they heard from your lips was you reading the scriptures to them as they go to sleep. Um, Ask them how you can pray for them. So the juniors are starting to disconnect just a little bit, not completely, but ask how you can pray. And if you... Ask them that question when they're primary and junior. You can ask that question when they're a teenager and they're used to that, right? Um, Continue to do things that create an other person orientation. So service projects, helping people, not just doing things for our own own well-being, but that we were serving other people. and then, you know, this is, I really like what she said here. The very last, or the third from the bottom, help them get comfortable feeling like a square peg in a world full of round holes. We're, we are called to be a peculiar people. And uh, many times when Pathfinder, you know, Pathfinder clubs, there's certain things that you just, you just do. That's what's expected. Keep the morning watch, you do your honest part. And it's good when you have a, when you have a pledge that when someone lies, they say, hey, did you? I take him aside and I just say, which one of the laws maybe are you not following? <laughs> you'll go through it. Oh. You'll know right away. We don't have those lists of rules, but maybe you do in your own home. But, it, you know, it's most of the discipline problems in the Pathfinder Club are from a kid who's wanting to follow the world's ways as opposed to God's ways. And so our kids need to be able to understand that it's okay to be a square peg and not fit into the world's round hole. It's okay. And, uh, and we, that's what we all strive to do, right? We all are striving to do that. And then again, the last one, um, oh, then, yeah, the next to last one, make sure you talk of faith. Your talk of faith matches your walk of faith. And we all know those people that pretend, that they're pretenders. They talk really good at church. They talk really good when they're around the pastor or around folks, but when they get home, they're really not, they're really not the same person. So we want to be the same. And again, that comes from the Holy Spirit and spending time with the Holy, the Holy Scriptures. Um, in the high school, this is where everybody will say, hey, what do I, how can I, how can I uh, connect with my high school kid? And so they ask Chad and I, and we're going, I don't know. We kind of do, but what do you, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> and uh, so just some good, good ideas here. Um, help them hold decisions up to the Jesus, up to the cross. A lot of our teenagers, if they haven't been discipled, start to compare their decisions to worldly standards as opposed to the cross. I remember when I was a teenager, and I don't remember ever my dad or my mom telling me that I shouldn't drink. But as a young boy, I remember saying, I'm not touching that stuff. I remember being around this campfire. I was with a bunch of friends. My first campfire away from my mom and dad. I'm probably 15, 16 years old. 
And I don't, I, like I say, I don't remember anybody ever telling me I sh shouldn't drink my mom or dad, but, it's, but I had decided. One of the big boys brought out a can of beer. He took a sip and he handed it to the next person. And that person took a sip and handed it to the next person. It's coming down the pipe and my cousin Randy's next to me and, and, uh, and uh, he's going, what are you going to do? And I go, don't say anything. Came to me and I, every, every kid took a sip, took a sip, took a sip. Came to me and I passed it to my cousin Randy and my cousin, cousin Randy passed it to the next person and everybody else after that <laughs> didn't take the sip. Right? Yeah. It's not, it's not for me to say, way to, way to go, Craig. You're such a wonderful boy. No, I was a rascal, right? But I had, I had make a, made a decision in my life that I'm not going to touch that stuff. And so when it came here, it was not a hard decision, even though there was a cute girl over there. And she took the drink. I'm thinking, psst, forget you. And Randy says, boy, I'm so glad you didn't take a drink. I said, what would you have done? I'd have drank, right? So, holding the decisions up, I don't remember, it was probably my, Mrs. Hyde, my grade school teacher probably, in the temperance posters we used to do, I don't know, but somewhere along the line I made, made the decision to not drink or to smoke or, or any of those nasty things. So we wanted to have our decisions that we made that um, is focused on what's, what, is, um, what the cross would have us do. Be available for hard discussions. There's some really tough topics for our kids right now to disciple them. You know, gender, what gender am I? Well, you're a, you're a boy, you're a girl. And this, you know, if I, if I were in the public right now, I'd be arrested or close to being arrested or vilified. Um, but uh, there's tough questions. Be available for those tough questions and don't say, go talk to your mother. Go talk to your mother. I don't want to deal with that. Because it's hard. Those are hard decisions. And if we prayerfully consider what we want to answer and say, you know what? Let me talk to you about that tomorrow. Or whatever. You know, spend some time in prayer before we go. Um, again, teenagers like it when you apologize, when you mess up. Anybody ever messed up? <laughs> Then there's the third from the last. There's so many good ones in here, guys, but genuinely ask, what would Jesus do? Use the Bible as a Band-Aid and not a weapon. And I would also encourage you to use Ellen White as a Band-Aid, not a weapon. Last page. Then we're going to get into the next, next handout. There's our, how to disciple your children during the launch years. How many of you have... Uh, young people out of out of the home out of the home right and how's that how's that going right sometimes it's a kick it's a kick to the stomach right you go I did not train those kids to do that right what but uh, so how to disciple your children again the roots can be that we want the roots to be deep when there's the dry years and there's the temptations that come, right? And then here's some things. Share what God is doing in your life. Just share. You know what God did for me? Just share. I'm not trying to twist their arm. There's a boy that's um, Pathfinder boy. 
that he's starting to finally, finally just kind of come around a little bit. He's actually making eye contact with me. It's taken me years to be able to get him to be, to, to talk. And I, all I say is, you know what Jesus did for me today? It would just be something very simple. And then I'll ask him, what did Jesus do for you today? Nothing. And I go, oh man. And I would go up to him in jest and I would, I'd, I'd uh, check his pulse. I go, oh good. He's kept you alive. You have, your heart is beating and he'd laugh. There's always something we can give God praise for, right? Encourage and acknowledge the work of God in their lives. So you just encourage them. I see God working with you. My son-in-law just came back from Somalia. And uh, he's not necessarily a follower right now. Um, wonderful dad, wonderful guy. Graduate right from here. And many of you know him. And uh, I said, man, I'm so thankful that God protected you. And uh, you, did, you did his work over there. There was, it, I didn't get a response, but it was an intentional thing to just encourage him that God, God is at work in his, in his life. Um, and then I like this one, is ask how you can pray for them. How can I pray for you? And um, this is some pretty, that's pretty open-ended pretty open-ended. A lot of times we, you know, we train kids to go door to door and we ask them for prayer. Well, we, we're walking around your neighborhood and asking for prayer. What prayer requests can we write down for you? Well, we never do it for our own kids. We never do it for our own kids in our, in our own churches, right? Why wouldn't, you know, you get that kid that's, uh, you know, if you're like, I've seen it in at the Holland Church or whatever, wherever we're at, Cadillac or whatever, the kids are sitting over here, you know, or they're just sitting there by themselves or shooting the breeze. Why don't you go up to them intentionally, go up to them and say, hey guys, is there anything I can pray for you? They're going to fall over that thing because somebody actually came and talked to them and actually asked them, what, what can you do if we can pray for them? Try that, maybe. There's all kinds of cool ideas. If we opened this up, we'd be here all day with, with really neat ideas that you are already using to reach our young people. And um, again, pray for them. Um, and pray with them. That same, if there's a young man or a young lady that needs to just think that they need praying for and Go up and said, you know what? I had someone here. Had no idea who this guy is. He came up to me and not in this mighty, hello, I am the prayer man. He just came up. He says, Pastor Craig, he knew me. I don't know him. He says, can I pray with you? I go, absolutely. And he had the most sincere prayer for my well-being. And he knew about my kids. And I asked him who he is, but I did know him. I just had gotten, he'd gotten too old looking. But isn't that wonderful that the guy just came up and he just saw the need. Evidently I looked distressed <laughs> and he prayed for me. I had a pastor one time, you know what pastors do? Pastors call you when they want something. I had a pastor call 
and he was just shooting the breeze with me, and he had a prayer with me, and I kept waiting for the shoe to drop. What do you want? It was a wonderful conversation. I says, okay, did you, what, what did you call for, Pastor? He says, no, that's it. I just wanted to pray for you. Wow. What if you called some teenager in your, in your school or in your church or your own child or whatever it is, you just call up and say, hey, how you doing? And just talk with them and says, I just have a prayer. When they say, what do you want? <laughs> Often, I just want to pray with you. Those go a long way of helping us disciple folks. And now we look at this and you're saying, you look at this list, right? You're going, I am a long ways from that. And we can all say, what? Amen. We all are a long ways from that. There's not anybody that's really good at all this stuff. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can help us knock off one or two of those things. If you're scared to do it, if you, you know, bring somebody else in to help you, help you accomplish that task. Um, so hopefully that's helpful, the discipleship. I wanted to spend more time on discipling than I did discipline because they both are the same. Go to the second one here. I have the 215 or 315, right, Amy? Now this one here is a kind of a collaboration from a master guide class. Master guide is the highest level of youth training in the Adventist church and Pathfinder basic staff training. And so some of you are saying, I already heard this from him, but uh, you can leave if you'd like, but we're just gonna hear it again. Um, effective discipline stuff, whispering. If you whisper, you know, a good storytelling technique is when someone, if the kid's disruptive over here, some people go over there and just tap them on the head or something. What you do, if the story is, if the story is good, you come over here and you just whisper. And the kids are going, quiet, we want to hear what he's having to say. If you just go up and whisper, or talk very softly about the situation, um, it's pretty effective. It says here, um, Many parents yell because it does two things. It releases emotion, usually not in a healthy or productive way. Uh, and two, it can scare kids into compliance. <laughs> I told you five times. Stop it right now. If you just go up and whisper, say, man, you know, hey, we, you're not listening to what I'm having to say. It is, it is, as it says here, it, it changes the dynamic of it as opposed to aggression, this is kind of a, a soft-hearted, heartfelt uh, way to go. Um, and it brings you closer, right? It's kind of a closeness to it. Um, and, it, and it says here, and this came from the Master Guide Manual, it says, it's also been found to be beneficial for children as it can help them feel more connected to their parents and better able to obey their commands if you're looking for a way to stop yelling at your kids, the whisper method may be worth a try. Right? Russ, or I don't have to mention his name, I just did, but it was a boy who was a wild child. And um, he, he just could not sit still and he had a mouth on him. And 
I was telling the children's story one time, and, and uh, he was being his little disruptive self. And I just went up to him, and I put the microphone, I muted the microphone, and I just leaned down, and I said, Russell, I'd like you to listen to what I have to say, and I, I know that you can be more obedient. So listen to this story, and then when you go back to your seat, I, don't, I want you to, to, write, to draw three pictures of my sermon, what I'm talking about. Is that understood? He looked at me, yeah. So I turned it back and I continued my story. That boy sat there as good as could be the rest of the time. And his mother came up to me, what did you tell that boy? I said, I just talked to him really softly. And I said, I know you can behave better than you're doing. And I gave him something to do. And she goes, oh. That same mother came to, well, somebody in this room. And said, why are your children so well behaved in church? And because uh, their children sat perfectly in church. This is not, this is funny. This is one of my favorite stories. But um, the mother asked this mother, why are they sit so, so carefully? And I was listening in. And this mother said, well, I, I beat them. <laughs> and then she, she corrected it, saying, if they misbehaved, I took them out and spanked them. And says, no, if I have to bring you back out again, I don't remember all the words she said, but the mother said, the, the mother of the disobedient child said, well, I don't think I can do that. And this other mother said, oh, you asked. <laughs> I just thought you just asked what I wanted, <laughs> what I did, and I told you. And so it's my favorite story. And uh, I beat them, but, uh, but in a, in a, fruits of the spirit way, and it was, right? I'll distract them, for the little guys, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here. If the kid's doing something else, you want them to be distracted, you give them something, you know, if they, get, if they got the toy that they stole from your sister, you give them another toy and try to distract them. That's a, a good way to discipline. Um, simply focusing on what you like them to shift their attention to rather than um, what you'd like them to stop doing. And that works for teenagers. If you focus on what you want them to do as opposed to, you know what? I told you to stop it. Stop it right now. Well, maybe we can direct them, disciple them, if you will, to the direction you really would like them to go. And uh, they gave this suggestion in the book. It says, oh, look, it's starting to rain. Do you think the cat is still outside? <laughs> Instead of saying, I told you to bring that cat in, right? You can do it, do it nicely. I'm going to make some muffins. I would love a hand. My mother would say, I'm going to make some cookies. You want to lick the batter? Lick the, whatever you call them, the, the beaters, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm all in on that. Redirect, very similar to distracting them. Um, it just gives them another, um, what does it say here? Like, yeah, give him a redirection. Like it says, you can't, you can't throw the ball inside, but you're welcome to go outside and play catch with your brother. Um, and I, I use games as the distraction. If kids are starting to be unruly, I usually, like, like today, 
someone, I collect marbles and someone gave me a marble. It's a kind of nice one. So I usually have a marble or something in my pocket so I can distract them. Say, hey guys, you ever seen this game? And so you can distract them, redirect them to something you want them to do and then have a teachable moment. Speaking directly, speaking directly is one of my favorite things in this lesson. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's quite a few reasons why kids don't listen to us. Um, a lot of times it's our delivery. And um, you know, life is full. And one of the things that um, every morning I, I'm praying with my, our group here, this morning I prayed with Jim Nephew. And we're both tired. And I have a tendency when I'm tired to look serious or I look like I'm upset. And I don't like that. People say, are you upset? No, I'm not, really. So my prayer was that I would, I would, um, would have a smile on my face, even if I am tired. Um, life is full, and it's easy for us to slip into um, a side that Jesus... You can imagine what the best lesson is Jesus. That man was so tired, but he was, he was lifted by... You, you imagine him being so tired. I never said that Jesus was tired. It is, but you can just imagine all the people he's talking to. And uh, he spent that time, quiet time with Jesus. So his life is full, and it's easy to shout out instructions from another room. And, uh, but if we come directly to them, with my girls, with Brooke especially, I needed to have Brooke's eyes. I said, Brooke, I need to have your eyes. And so she'd look up, and I would talk to her, and if she was upset, just the eye contact would, would we would be able to connect well, right? Lindsay, I just had to say, hey, Lindsay, stop it. Okay. Or Brooke, I had to have her eyes. I had to have her eyes. And it's speaking, speaking directly to them. Um, and like it says here, it's time to get ready for church. Please put that down and grab your shoes. <laughs> Direction, stop what you're doing. This is the direction you want to do, okay? Uh, let's go into, we're gonna have to go through this fairly quickly. Again, this is just some pretty basic stuff. Uh, I like this. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where I got this. I'd give them credit, but I've had, I've taught from this for 15 years. Reasons kids don't listen to us. <laughs> One is because they're busy. They're busy like we are. And, uh, um, they don't always hear what you're having to say. And that's why I always had to have Brooke's eyes. Um, and they give a suggestion there is, I'm going to give you a second to pause your game because I need your full attention. That's pretty good with, with our teenagers. I've, I've done that with, um, with uh, some TLTs where I was giving an instruction. I said, you guys, hey, I, I'm going to let you guys finish that conversation, but within 30 seconds, I really need to teach, or I, I need to have you do something for me. And I just let them wrap it up and then direct them, right? And there's been other times I've blown it. Hey, guys, and, I just, I, and they don't listen to me. So, um, And I think like, it says, I have something to tell you that I want your full attention. And um, it actually it, it shows them that um, you're treating them as an individual. You want to teach, you know, um, teach them that they are important and that you respect them. 
And so they're busy. And the other one is because uh, we a lot of times we talk at kids instead of talk with them. Um, and that's that's what usually is communication issues. It's the same thing with with spouses. <laughs> you know, sometimes we talk at each other as talking through a conversation. That's when you realize, hey, we're we're talking, we're communicating on the wrong turf. And that's when you can stop. Ask, um, ask if you're on the right turf. So think about it for a minute. Um, think about the last times you've been conversing with your own kids or with other kids. Um, is it with criticism? Is it correction or is it instructions? And so if we find ourselves, yeah, I'm usually criticizing or I'm giving instructions, then maybe we need to... Um, Maybe we need to be able to talk with them as opposed to talking at them. And uh, uh, there was one guy that, there was actually a lady that I taught this in a master guide class. She goes, and I can see she's a talk at person. And she goes, I don't know how to do that. And uh, so I just explained how you can talk with the people. She goes, I don't think I can do that. And I wondered myself whether she could. Um, but a few years later, I saw her talking with her adult grandchild, and she was kind of a transformed lady. And um, I don't know what happened, but she was talking with the fruits of the Spirit. She was talking with that person, young person as opposed to at them. So praise the Lord for that. Um, and then if you're like this, if you're talking to your kids with the phone, guess what they're going to do to you? You got that phone on there? Or your spouse, I've learned that one. My wife will say, put that phone down, could you please? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that can be a um, very ineffective discipline tool because it shows that we're not really talking with them, but this is more important than the kids. Again, I'm just I'm preaching to the choir here, but um, some, sometimes it's good for us to remember. Eye contact is the, uh, the best thing, right? I can connect with you because our eyes are, are meeting, and, uh, and, and a good handshake, and uh, you just want to be able to, to make, because you can say a lot with your eyes and discipline, Right? Remember my mother? She just would look at me. That I knew I was in trouble. Or if I can look at my mother across the room and she just would smile. She loves me. Right? And so we can, our eyes tell a lot. And so that's why I always had Brookers. I need your eyes, Brooke. Because so she could see that I, I, that I loved her. And, wasn't talking at her. I wanted to talk with her. Um, if you're struggling to find time to, to do some of this stuff, maybe it's a time, maybe here at camp meeting, we kind of prioritize what we want to do to uh, in your life. Say, I want to really try start working on this. I'm going to have to eliminate uh, that time on Facebook. I need to eliminate that. Or I need to reduce it. 
or whatever it might be. The Holy Spirit helps us with those things. Uh, pointing out the positive is a very, very good thing. Number five, I've got five more minutes. It's not about focusing on the negative. A lot of times it is. You did something wrong, you're going to get spanked. But there's, there's always ways to point out the, the, uh, the positive. There was one boy that I saw him. I always try to look for young people, even here on the grounds, that go out of their way and now to, to help somebody. And I remember a couple of years ago, a boy was picking up trash. He just was picking up pieces of paper and he put it in there and nobody told him to do it. I tracked him down. I says, hey, I just noticed you were picking up trash. That to me shows initiative. And I'm so thankful for you. I'd hire you. I'd hire you because of what I just witnessed, what you were doing. He goes, really? I just was picking up paper. I says, somebody didn't care about it. They threw that paper down there, but you saw it and you took the initiative to do that. So that's a positive thing, right? You're focusing on the positive that they're doing. And um, um, I wrote down a note here. Oh, yeah. The, and I, I'm going to skip that. Got, I don't have enough time. It's a good story, but we can't we have time. Heart-to-heart -heart talks, a lot of times we, we, stay, um, we stay away from heart-to-heart -heart talks, but we really need to do that with our young people. It's easy with our own kids. It's not so easy when they become teenagers because they really don't want to. But um, this is, isn't this a really good thing? It's in that third paragraph under this, on number six. It says, I've noticed you don't seem as happy as you were when you left house this morning. Is there something you want to talk to me about? This is a really good Let's notice, all right, um, I've used that with um, a fellow pastor. I said, the last time I saw you, it looks like you don't seem as happy today as you did the last time I saw you. And he said, oh, man, really? Is that noticeable? And, and he shared with what was going on. And so all I did was ask that question, and I went to a different level because, again, it's that eye contact, and you're, you're asking a question that cares. Um, and again, I, I use my daughter, Brooke, because she were here, I'd still be using her. Brooke was one that would, um, she's not a talker, she's more of, she's more a reserved gal, and so to get her to open up was difficult. But just an open-ended question with Brooke, um, and she knew it was safe. She knew it was safe, and she would, she'd open up and talk. But other times, if, if we were too distracted or whatever, it just, you know, we wouldn't get, we wouldn't get to that next level with her. And uh, it's easy to do it now because she's a talker. She's a talker now. She realized it's okay to be a square peg and with, a, with, a round, with a world full of round holes, right? And then here's another good one. Your facial expression and body language tells me that something is off. <laughs> Is something, is everything okay? Body language. People ask me that all the time. Are we okay? Because I'm tired and my face gets grumpy looking. Uh, give choices. You can read that. Um, there's always that joke that I'm going to, my mother never said this. I never heard anybody say it, but. There's people that will say, you know, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week if you don't stop it, right? 
warnings. Um, you can give a warning, but we don't want to threaten. We don't want to threaten our kids. We want to. We can give them warnings for sure. You know, hey, if um, you continue that, I like. I think I said this here. This is you. You parked your. You left your bike in front of the garage again. If I see that bike in front of the garage again, it's going to take us something. It says I'm just going to take a week vacation or something like that. <laughs> it's a very positive thing. It's a warning, not threatening. Um, there's a fine line between that. And then the, finalize this. I love the alone time. I love time out. If I was disobeying, I love time out because I was sent to my room and that's where all my stuff was, right? I had a cool room, so, oh. And then my mother realized I loved going to my room and I had to sit on the bed. And, uh, but I love the alone time. I think all of us need to decompress, right? We all need to decompress. We, we're, we're around people all the time. Is, wouldn't it be good just to have a time each day where we are alone? Some alone time. Just to kind of just kind of reset ourselves. Um, go to your room. So, hey, I think it might be time just to have a little bit of alone time. That's what my daughter does with her, my grandson. He comes back from school. He's got... he's. He's kind of, he's an introvert, and so he's just had all of this pressure, pressure, pressure of having to be up, right? And so when he came, when he comes home, and if he starts to get a little grumpy, it's, you need some alone time. So um, whether it's with Legos or whether if he goes out and he's a, in the hockey now, so he just lets them go outside and just shoot the hockey and just decompress, and then they can discuss. Um, but if we spend that time, if we train them as they go along, they have that alone time with God, um, I think that's a really good thing. And just pray and, and uh, read something that's uplifting. No phone in the alone time. We shouldn't have the phone there because that can really sap the energy out of us. And uh, so it's 3.16. I'm one minute over. And again, thank you for listening to to me, um, and hopefully there's some ideas here that would be very useful in your in your time in uh, discipling. Whether it's your own kids, we need to disciple other kids as well, right? So let's pray, and then Amy has an announcement. Thank you, dear Lord, for this day. Thank you so much for the parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and leaders of our church. Help us, Lord. We need your help to be able to disciple our kids. And, um, and I, we ask, Lord, that you will disciple us and discipline us so that we are more effective at discipling others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio2023 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.